Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 245 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks for hanging out here with me and this brilliant guest today. Before I introduce said guest, I gotta say the Craft Beer Label Design course has launched. It is officially out there, everybody. We are helping you take your label designs, and this could be beer, kombucha, cold brew coffee, cosmetics, pharmaceuticals, anything that gets a label, any label design you're doing. We help you take that label design from pixel to print. If you have always wanted to confidently prepare your files for print, understand and learn some of the advanced label design techniques and processes and how to use them in your file, know uh, if you want to know the questions that you should be asking your client before you even start designing a label, If you want to find a printer to work with and have them supply you with some inspirational samples, awesome work that they've done previously, if you want to know some of the trade secrets in designing beautiful, luxurious labels without adding to the cost, then this course is for you 100%. There are five modules in this course to take you on that journey to becoming a label design pro. We've also included a couple of amazing bonuses, one of them called Branding a Beer with Nick Longo. And this incredible bonus is a case study on one of his beer design projects where they had an existing brewery brand, and he was asked to modify that brand and take it to the can, the label for the can. He talks about how he did that, how he went through that process, and the beautiful end result that they got, an incredible bonus. Again, head to printdesignacademy.com or click the link in the podcast description here to find out more about that course and get on in there. Okay, so today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is Don Clark from Invisible Creature. I was so excited to get this interview. It was a long time coming, finally connected and aligned schedules, and Don did not disappoint. We kicked this interview off by talking about his hobby farm. He's got a little farm, he's got some alpacas, used to have some pigs, he's got some goats, and I thought that was really fun and a great contrast to some of the brilliant work that you see him putting out there in the world. We also talk about what his gateways to design were, how his grandpa was an illustrator at NASA. Yeah, at NASA. We then get into talking about the struggle with saying yes too much. I think all of us are guilty of that at one time or another. Then shares with us about the time that he was asked to create a Fortune magazine cover and how it didn't exactly go as planned. He then shares with us a little bit about the book project that he's working on right now, teases it just a little bit, and tells us why it is a big struggle and why it's really challenging right now. All that and more. This episode is just jam-packed for you. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my super talented and incredible guest, Don Clark from Invisible Creature. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie?
Don, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, man. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited to get into conversation. First and most importantly, are you ready for a Quickie? I absolutely am. Let's do this. Perfect. That answer is trustworthy. (laughs) (laughs) So before we dive in here, um, you had mentioned just before we started recording that you live on a hobby farm. Yes. Dissect that for me. Do you got some animals hanging (laughs) around there? What do you got? We do. Yeah. So my wife and I stumbled upon this property like eight years ago. We were, uh, our family was growing and uh, we just kind of wanted to get out to the country. So uh, we bought this 1964 ranch home on 10 acres. We had no idea what we were doing um, (laughs) at all. And it had this really cool barn that I wanted to make into my studio. And um, so, yeah, it's been eight years of uh, just this crazy adventure that I, I just, I love. And the, the, the thing I love about it is I, I was able to thankfully make my hobby into my career. And so I was a guy without a hobby. And so now, mm-hmm. now, now my hobby is just, you know, weekend uh, hobby farming. But um, yeah, we have uh, three horses, two alpacas, a bunch of chickens, three goats, multiple cats, dogs. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, a bit of a chaotic scene out here, but it's, it's fun. Like I, I like driving with a with a full load, so um, I, I enjoy it. That's awesome. So the the one question that came out of that for me is, so you guys bought this and you didn't like bring alpacas with you, like you no, don't have we any animals. So what is what was the first animal who stuck their hand up and said, you know what, let's get some animals here? And what that would was be that my animal? wife. That okay. would be my wife, and uh, yeah, she yeah she, she doesn't ask. She just kind of brings goat uh, goats home. So yeah. well, animals in general, but the, fir- the first was three. Uh, we had, we had some kind of this fencing that was falling apart and I was like, well, let's wait until we get this fencing fixed and like, nope, it'll, it'll keep goats in. So, <laughs> uh, which is, which didn't end up happening. Goats are pretty, uh, sneaky, but yeah. So, <laughs> yes. you know, we've had pigs out here. We've had, we've had, a, we've tried a, our hand at a lot of stuff. Um, we're kind of migrating now into horses mostly. I, my, yeah. my, my youngest daughter and my wife are, um, you know, getting more into that lifestyle. And so, yeah, we have, uh, the, the alpacas are more, it's kind of cool. The alpacas are actually like the, the, the yard watchdogs. So they make this like, I, again, I didn't know this about anything until we started getting into this lifestyle, but alpacas Mm -hmm. make this like real loud chirping sound if there is a predator and that predator can be a rat all the way up to a bear. Yeah. And so, and what they do is they kind of, um, they move the rest of the animals to a safe space and then they chase them the, the, the predator no away. Yeah. Pretty cool. So I witnessed our alpacas, uh, chase a bear off once, which was awesome. Um, so, and you know, we're like, it's like 10 o'clock at night. So they do it. They probably do the chirp like once a week. So we you know, I've got the flashlight down there and I'm like, okay, it's just a possum. Yeah. Uh, but, but one night, yep. A bear was sneaking into the barn and they, I had seen the goats and all the chickens were like over on the other side. And then I see the alpaca chase off the bear. So that's, yeah, I'm sure that's what you wanted to discuss today, but <laughs> dude, you know what? It's so funny. You say that because I mean, we were also talking that, you know, in, in terms of kids, like you're a few years ahead of me and my wife and I actively are looking at rural properties with barns or acreages yeah. to yeah. get some chickens and things like yeah. that and sort of pull back from the sort of city rural life. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I'm honestly, am interested. Yeah. In yeah. No, it's, it's the best. Hey man, if you, if you do want to do that holler, I've learned a ton in these eight years. I am by no means a pro, 
But yeah. I can tell you, I mean, we've made a lot of mistakes and, you know, I'm constantly on YouTube, you know, figuring stuff out and like, yeah. you know, working on tractors and stuff like that. So I've never, I, again, I'm from the city and didn't know what I was getting into. So that's so awesome. I'm super interested in that, but this is yeah. for design. So yeah. let's <laughs> yes. kick, oh, right. kick it over into the design category. And, you know, you've sort of given us the, here you are, this is where you're at right now. Um, but briefly tell the listeners about yourself, give a little bit more of an intro on, on how you got here. Yeah, so I'm an illustrator and designer, and we've been in the Seattle area for uh, 21 years, I think. And um, we are the the way that we got into this whole world is that my brother and I were um, musicians early in our 20s, and actually, my brother got signed when he was 16. Nice. Um, but we we'd always been drawing as kids, and that was a big part part of our life. Our our grandfather was an illustrator at NASA, and so we really looked up to him, and he was kind of like. Um, proof that you could make it in commercial arts and it wasn't this starving artist mentality. Um, so we always had that in the back of our pocket. Like we want to, we want to be like grandpa. And then we kind of stumbled into punk rock and hardcore music and metal and got into that world and um, started doing records for our friends and start in, uh, in terms of designing their album covers. And again, didn't know what we were doing. We were just, you know, friends scanning images for each other, you know, and putting these, making layouts we didn't even know what a layout was so um so then that started um uh our first studio was called asterisk studio and that was 2000 we started that uh again just focusing on music packaging um and we for five years we had that studio and i i would say our clientele was 95 percent music based so bands uh record labels um we were doing a lot of show posters for uh for uh, clubs and uh, booking agents. And so um, that kind of poster uh, re- revival or, or the big poster explosion, you might call it in the early 2000s, really paved the way for what we're doing now, which is mostly illustration. Um, and we, we also design and create our own products uh, for, our, for our store, for uh, folks who wanna, um, uh, you know, kind of grab the stuff that we make on our own. Um, and then we also do that for other brands. So it's kind of, it's, it it really all started with music and then, um, we're not doing a whole lot of music these days, 20 years later. Um, but that's, that's the foundation for everything is, is album packaging. And, uh, and then gig posters allowed us to flex our illustration shops. Mm-hmm. And then that that's how we got here. So, you know, it's so interesting hearing these stories and how often I hear either skate culture or mm-hmm. music as sort of the gateways into design. Um, so why do you, why do you think that is? It's, I, I think it's because of the, the, the uh, DIY nature of, of that, those scenes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when you're the, the, the rad part about that scene is that, you know, we were calling the, the, the clubs, we were calling the other bands and to, to schedule, to make, you know, schedule these tours. This is before, you know, the internet, basically, this is 95, 96, right when it was starting. And so, you know, everything was a, a, on a phone call and you, you know, bands would manage themselves. And, you know, um, it was really, it was really a cool community. And I've always been that way in terms of just, you know, um, wanting to just kind of own, own, uh, have ownership over what we're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, that way, you know, I don't have to ask permission to do something and, and you know, have like a, a, a team of people approving something that I want to make. I, so I've always had that mindset of like, 
I really want to own my own studio. I want to be in my own band. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was the type of guy that would, uh, I, I picked up a guitar just to write songs so that we could go on tour, you know, and make a record. I wasn't the guy that would sit in his room for 10 hours and learn how to be a good guitar player. I envy those guys, but I was the guy that wanted to just have this thing and, and tour. Um, so I think that's, that's where it come from, comes from. If, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, 100%. I totally can see that and connect the dots in that here. Now, you had mentioned that you started in 2000 at Asterisk. Was that yeah, in the studio? Actually, I mean, it's our fault. It's a stupid name, but it's Asterisk without the S. So it's okay. the, the last S. So yeah, Asterisk. Uh, that was 2000 with my brother and my friend, Dimitri. Yeah. And when did when did that evolve into Invisible Creature? Like when did that take off and transition? So 2006 is when I started Invisible Creature with my brother, Dimitri, my friend and partner at the time, wanted to move into more uh, interactive web. We were starting to get more larger interactive jobs. And mm-hmm. Ryan and I were still wanting to focus on products, illustration, packaging. Uh, so we kind of mutually split off. And so, um, yeah, 2006 is when IC started. Got it. So we've, we've talked a little bit about your childhood and sort of the journey and that that uh, note about your grandpa. Well, I think it was your grandpa you said mm-hmm. was an illustrator at NASA. Yeah. That's pretty rad. But yeah. along this journey so far, has there been one design or one illustration that stands out as maybe the most influential of your life so far? Something that you saw and has just like stuck with you since? Man, good question, because I feel like there's chapters to that story. I mean, when I... When we um, when we started the studio, we were enamored with Stefan Sagmeister, yep. Vaughn Oliver. You know, we were in we were really um, uh, you know into um, Storm Thorgerson and these guys. You know, the company Hypnosis. These are guys that were doing album packaging. Uh, Stefan specifically was really innovating in the CD world, which is what we were in. You know, the jewel mm-hmm. case. Um, and using that jewel case to um, just, you know, as a as a part of the art. And so we really were um, into those guys. And then, you know, I had my first child and uh, around 2004, I, you know, really dug into Paul Rand and children's books and and really started seeing these things from fresh perspective. I remembered them as kid as a kid, you know, and, and really loving these books and, you know, the the Disney films and things like that. But then as, as I got older and had my first child, I'm, I'm starting to like look at this stuff with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really when, you know, I changed how I was drawing and, and I really got deep into um, visual development for animation and um, just these kind of like, I, I mean, I hate the term now because it's so misused, you know, mid-century illustrators and, and artists was really kind of um, where I wanted to focus on in terms of, that style and craft um mm-hmm. so yeah and then basically since then that's really been my you know my um well of uh inspiration is that era definitely so you got these children's books when you had your first child and you start looking at these things from a completely different perspective you start seeing the art and the illustration and the uh, you know, the, the creative work that goes into it rather than the story. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I would, every time I'd, you know, read the book, I would read, I would out loud read the author and then who it was illustrated by the, you know, so it says, and I've always done that just because I'm so obviously as a, and I, I create my own books as well. So I'm always mm-hmm. just enamored by that aspect. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, everything from Golden Books to Jim Flora to um, Wiseguard and all, just all of these um, beautiful books from that era, you know, and I was finding out about new stuff too that I'd never seen. That was just um, amazing. So yeah, I, I think seeing the world, especially through in the arts through the eyes of your kid is really special because you're, you're, you, they're seeing it, um, uh, for, at the first time, this is brand new to them. And so you're kind of like looking at it through their eyes. And that that's the beauty of that era. I think too, is that there's kind of this wide eyed innocence, you know, post war space race, you know, um, you know, we can accomplish anything, you know, and, and, and that was, that was, um, reflected in not only illustration but animation and architecture and automobile design mm -hmm. and and that that um i just love it i love it it's 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 so different than how it is now and just it, it was this really special era and you know looking back i realize there's rose you know rose tinted glasses looking at that stuff too i, I know it wasn't perfect but there was this really groundbreaking innocence to it mm -hmm. you know it, hearing you talk about children's books and things i remember some of my favorite books as a kid and what I really went through with my son, like we would spend hours looking through these books is um, the name escapes me, but it was like a, these books where they did a cross section of things. Mm -hmm. So there was like the star Wars edition and you can look oh, at yeah. like the cross section of the millennium. I've got Falcon. Those. I've got those. Yeah. Me. Those books always fascinated me. And what I never connected until I was really looking at them with my son is that those aren't, photos or computer manipulated graphics somebody drew that it's insane it's insane yeah. i i have those and i i seriously i look at those with my kids and i'm like i i don't know how they're doing this like, <laughs> it's, it's, insane. <laughs> it's a special person to be able to create yeah. and sit yeah. and get that level of detail like my gosh um so you had mentioned a couple of designers that you looked up to along the career path. Um, what about now? Are there any designers or brands that you look up to now or closely follow now? And what about them do you like? Uh, that are existing right now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, many of them are friends and I'm, I'm honored to be able to call them friends. But um, I mean, just off the top of my head, I love lab partners, uh, Ryan and Sarah. And I love Chris Lee's work. Uh, the Beast is Back is his uh, company name. Um, eight Hour Day uh, from Minneapolis. Um, Stout, which is also tied into Lab Partners. Uh, Ryan from Lab Partners owns Stout with some other folks. Um, these are, these are, um, I think, you know, what I look, I, I would say kind of at the top of their game in terms of kind of like, just the level of illustration in this particular world that, that I live in, you know, that we live in. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, there's so many amazing artists out there and I'm, I, you know, continually blessed and blown away that I'm, you know, still getting phone calls. So it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Every day the phone rings is a good day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or an email. You got it, man. Yeah. Happy days, man. Well, before yeah. I get into some of the challenging questions on this, um, I wanted to f uh, bring up your Instagram on the screen here, just kind of scroll through and, and pick out a couple of posts that really stand out to me and just sort of hear the story or hear what's behind that post. Cool. Okay. So hang on. Let's bring this up here. Boom. Just like that. And, um, you know, first up, this handwritten note, like really jumped out at me here. And a recent post, tell me, you know, the thoughts behind this and, and what led you to wanting to write this? 
Yeah. So as you can see, I can barely write these days because I type all the time. So <laughs> Dude, that's terrible. much more legible than mine. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a lettering artist. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I just wanted to, um, uh, you know, again, kind of just a, a, in a moment of thankfulness, I think I just, for this mm -hmm. year, 2020 has been, obviously it's extending into this year <laughs> but yes, 2020 yes. was just kind of like it was it was so rough for so many people and i was able to work throughout it and i was very thankful for that so it was like you know and when we release a product it you know it tends to sell out and it's i'm just so always thankful for that and you know these are these are folks that spend their hard-earned money on our stuff and helps put food on our table and so mm -hmm. I, I don't ever take that lightly. And I know, um, you know, I, I, I look at all these folks that buy our stuff as, as just friends and, you know, just uh, very thankful. And also I, I'll put a note in there about clients. Um, again, clients keeping me busy throughout the years. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, there's so many great artists out there. The, the, the fact that I still get called is a special thing. Um, and then I just kind of want to tease. I mean, that we have this, we have a lot of cool stuff coming out that I'm excited about. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the kind of reason for the, the handwritten letter. That's super cool. And the, that sort of leads me to another question is how was 2020 for you? What did you experience in that? Again, I feel super thankful and blessed because we already, you know, I work on the property, we homeschool already. Yep. Uh, so yeah. So, you know, we have 10 acres. I mean, like the, the, our lives didn't change as nearly as much as a lot of people. So I mm -hmm. honestly, because of the work and none of us got sick, I have just nothing to complain about. So, yep. um, you know, and I've had lots of friends and, and um, you know, family that have not fared as well. So uh, mm -hmm. 2020, you know, also, you know, I feel like it brought our family closer together. You know, I think I think I hear that a lot now, actually, in terms of you know, we had to we had to just stop with all the weekly sports or classes or stuff that the kids were doing, and we were hunkered down. And um, I'll, I'll always look back at 2020 from a personal perspective and just be like, you know, that that was actually a, an amazing year for our family. Um, and again, not not taking away the hardships of other families, but just like personally, we don't we, we should be thankful, basically. So. A hundred percent. I completely agree with that perspective. And this year was the first year we decided to homeschool our kids. Oh, cool. Okay. So they're home for the first time. And, you know, the first couple of months, um, you know, September, October, November, we're, we were navigating like, how oh, the hell totally. do we do this I know. and work? Like, how do we make it all work? But we've sort of got into this groove and we've kind of figured it out and we're keeping things going. And, and I agree, you know, that bringing you closer initially, by necessity and there's there's just no other outlet so you have exactly. to get closer exactly and, you know we're puzzling like as a family we right. never like, right. puzzles like we never would have done that before it's exactly and that that's that's the stuff that i'm i think that we're always all of us are going to remember uh from this year but um yeah. yeah yeah awesome man all right let's roll through here um i'm gonna pick a couple out of here but let's start with this one here just the greenery of this <laughs> so this is a, a video. So what we did on December 18th is we had our first ever live stream event. And oh, so cool. that was in um, basically celebration of our new book that's coming out. And um, so we had all these, these posts, I was posting all these like process quick, you know, snaps of 
these records we have done over the last 20 years yeah. up leading up to the event. And so, um, yeah, that was for a band called Thousand Foot Crutch. And so, uh, you know, these are old records that a lot of fans, you know, love. And we wanted to kind of show some of the process um, behind that. And so, yep, we have a lot of lead up to the book, um, you know, that those few weeks. That's a cool one. I like that. Yeah, all the all the process and you just sort of see how everything yeah. comes together. Yeah, we've never done anything like this in terms of shown process or an event or anything. So it was it was fun. <laughs> this is so funny. I love this movie, by the way. <laughs> Dude, I will every Thanksgiving. I will always post that. It's just never. Yeah, it's the best movie ever. <laughs> That's the best. All right, uh, my kids are big into Lego. Um, so this, of course, jumped out at me. Tell me about this guy. Yeah. So uh, I've always wanted to do a minifig you know, using our mummy and we did, let's see, 2018 or 2019. I did our, our first one and it was a total hit. And so I made a, uh, kind of just a commitment to make 10 different ones over the the next few years. And so we're getting ready to launch the fifth and sixth one in this, this year. Um, but yeah, these are just super fun. I don't really make any money on them because they're not cheap to produce, especially with the, you know, letter pressed backer. Um, I think we sell them for like 15 bucks each, but they just, yeah, I have friends that work at Lego. One of my closest friends was at Lego for years. And, um, so yeah, uh, it's just, it's just a fun thing that, you know, drives people to the store and, uh, people put on their desk. So yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. I would love to do that. I've seen how I've seen a couple of websites that you where you can create custom figures. Yeah, um, yeah. But this almost looks like a step beyond that, or maybe use that same. Well, this is yeah. It's, so it's the mummy, or sorry, it's the minifig company in Florida, and it's yeah. this, these guys that have pad print pad printers, the same technology for, that Lego uses, and it looks just like a Lego minifig. It's it's amazing. I was worried too about the the quality before but the stuff these guys produce is uh, amazing that's so cool okay i gotta get one of my face or something <laughs> <laughs> or think of something i don't have a cool mummy to make it with <laughs> um okay last one let's just pull which one i'm gonna pick here which one jumps out at me i think i'm gonna go this one that's just a shot from the studio um we have you know i have a barn here that my you know my kids when i pass on or just going to probably sell at a thrift store, but all the stuff, <laughs> all, all the stuff in here is just my collection of, uh, ephemera from the just stuff that I gravitate towards. I don't collect a certain thing. I collect yeah. stuff from a certain era, but even if the stuff is new, that looks like it could be from that era. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I'm very picky on what I you know like to collect. Um, yeah. so that's just a shot from the studio and I have toys and stuff everywhere. That's so cool. Not only that, but it kind of creates this fun, this fun energy in that environment, right? Where you walk in there and it's not clean white walls and clinical. It's, it's kind of got an essence to it. Yeah. It's really, for me, it's, it's, it's just inspiring. It's basically like I'm living in a movie or a cartoon, you know, it's just like these, these three-dimensional illustrations as I, as I see it, that are kind of just like living here. And it's also, you know, I, I think it's this kind of subconscious, thought of wanting to just always be a kid you know just not not wanting to grow up and kind of having all this stuff that you love around you i mean maybe that's probably not the healthiest thing but i love it (laughs) 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 Um, um the the colonel sanders in there the colonel sanders um statue where did that do you remember where that came from or where you found that 
Yeah, I just got it at a, a antique toy fair. My son and I go to uh, toy shows. Well, when there was toy shows um, yeah. before COVID, um, yeah, we went to a, we go to a few every year, and I just kind of you know bring a bag and grab you know the stuff that I think is cool, just random, you know, like yeah. Uh, yeah so it's just like this Colonel Sanders. Like um, I, I think that that's it's like a soaky, which I don't know if you remember the the, the vintage like soap. Uh, in a, it was basically liquid soap in a blow mold container. I, I don't know if you've seen those before. No. Okay, so I have a few of these things called soakies. I don't know if that is one of them, but they look like that, where it's just one continuous piece. I've got Star Wars ones, Hanna-Barbera. Actually, that squirrel there, uh, Alvin and Chip, Chipmunks one, that's a soakie. So there was soap in there at one point. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I got to look at these antique cool. toy fairs. <laughs> yeah. No, so when you, awesome. when you tell your wife you're going to an antique soap oh, fair, does dude. she say, okay, like keep it under 10 grand this time? <laughs> no, she knows, man. And she's, she's not, she's not a fan of this, uh, organized clutter. So that's why I have my own studio down here, but <laughs> no, she, she gives me hell all the time. I mean, not, it's kind of in jest, but you know, I, yeah. I, I like, I like some of these old, like, um, silk screen cups, like these vintage cups, like star Wars and stuff. And she's like, She'll just text me. She'll be like, no cups, please. Just stop with the cups. But yeah. And then, yeah, like, you know, easy on the Star Wars or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably honestly at those events, I probably don't spend more than 200 bucks. And I, I just get like stuff that's going to look cool on my shelves. I'm not a high end collector by any means. It's just, um, you know, what the funky stuff that you're drawing. Funky stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. That's awesome. All right, Don. Well, we've got to get into some of the tough questions here. I've got a few questions here that'll take you through part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out of you. Cool. Let's do it. So what's been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Oh, man. Uh, that is a super good question. Challenging is probably, I mean, there's a lot of if you own your own company for 20 years, there's going to be multiple challenging times. You know, I think that it's easy to take on too much work, you know, where you, you, you are juggling, you don't want to say no, right. Cause you're, you're, you know, you're the sole, I'm the, I'm the sole provider for our family. So, mm -hmm. you know, I want to, you know, it's, it's not cheap to have a, a farm. And so that, you know, you're kind of like, well, I could probably take this on. And then you, you, you get stuck in, well, you know, maybe there's now a handful of things that aren't looking as good as they could, you know, and that's not a good place. So that's something that I think will probably never necessarily go away because I think the intuition of any kind of entrepreneur is to, you know, you want to take care of your family, you want to pay the bills. And so you kind of get stuck in these things. Um, challenging was probably when I switched, the most challenging is probably when I switched from Asterix Studio to Invisible Creature. I wasn't sure if the our fan base or like our clients would follow us over. I had no idea. I thought maybe people would be like, "Oh, Asterix Studios shut down." Okay, cool. Well, on to the next. But um, it was the opposite. Like we started this new studio, and people were like so excited. So, um, but that was like this more like in that interim time of launching the website and everything. That was like, you know, we just had a new. Yeah, my daughter was like two and so it was yeah i mean it was a big deal so um but yeah my fears were squashed i guess which is i'm thankful for and squashed pretty quickly it sounds like yeah yeah you know our clients came with us and um yeah it, i think people were excited at, about the new studio at the time so 
That's cool, man. So the next one with this, I want to get a little bit more specific. Can you take us to a specific design or project um, that you were part of that did not go well, did not bring the desired result? Um, What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Um, Yeah, I mean, there's been a handful of those. I will say that there is one that's really recent that um, I, I, I haven't posted or anything. I don't usually post work that doesn't see the light of day but i did get asked to design the cover of fortune magazine and if you yeah and so if you i actually have a fortune cover framed in my barn from jim flora one of my favorite artists and so when i got the call to work on a fortune cover i was like oh my gosh you know this is i i would just love the covers from back in the 50s and 60s and before and they have a real rich history with design uh and again some of these people that i looked up to did a lot of their covers so i got asked to do a um a cover featuring elon musk and i i am a you know elon's a crazy guy but i love the you know his mind in in many ways he's a you know you can't deny the genius um so i was like oh man um so i the art director was 100 percent behind me um i pitched a couple ideas he loved one of them and i finished it and they his his superior was like this is too obscure this doesn't this doesn't look like Elon Musk and so you know the what what I had created was basically a um uh an abstract grid of kind of his accomplishments from SpaceX to uh solar panels to Tesla and you know I have his likeness in there and and but it wasn't like a portrait and i and that's ultimately what killed the project is his you know the creative director or the editor was like we need a portrait of Elon Musk this isn't going to sell so it was a bummer um it wasn't like a huge paying job so that i mean i got paid for it but i, I feel like if it was a if it would have been this big paycheck thing it would have been even more of a bummer you know but it was editorial typically doesn't pay the hottest so mm-hmm. um but still, it's like this thing that I have that no one will see that, you know, uh, was, you know, again, from this client that I looked up to. So, yeah. So it was more, uh, you know, not going to like all of a sudden you're out there buying Lamborghinis, but you were, <laughs> you know, you were, it was a clout piece. Like it would have yeah, almost like yeah. a pride piece, right? Like it's something yeah. that you looked up to and were excited to be a part of. So in that sort of situation where you've created the work, they paid for the work, you've submitted the work, and it just doesn't end up getting to the cover, are you allowed to share that, or does that do they own that? How does that work? I am allowed to show it. Actually, I actually own the art, which is cool. Um, but you know, the guy's like, "Well, you can put it in your store to sell," and I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to sell a print of Elon Musk in my shop. It doesn't make any sense." So, I mean, I'm sure there's people that would want it, but uh, I might show it someday. But I think that. Um, yeah, it's just, it, again, it's one of those weird things where it, it is, it's like this, this cloud thing that you said, it's like, it looks really cool. And I, I, that kind of stuff that doesn't maybe pay a ton that is really, um, well-respected or, you know, it's this, um, well-designed thing that you're proud of. That stuff is just as important as the stuff that pays well, because that stuff is how you get the well-paying stuff. So, um, I look at all of it from our products to the biggest client jobs we've done. I think I look at them all the same because they're all 
continuing this machine that allows us to work. Um, They're all part of the machine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great perspective on that one. Um, Don, what is something that you're struggling with in your design and creative career right now? Um, good question. I'm working on a, uh, a book right now. That's a illustrated book. It's like 500 pages. Holy and so I, I, yeah, I won't get too into the weeds on that cause it hasn't been announced, but it, I have been working on that for a year and a half and I've got another nine months to go. So I will say that that it's, it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Um, but it, it is, I've never worked on a long-term thing before, you know, where you've started something t- almost two years ago mm-hmm. and you're looking back at that work that you did two years ago and you're like, well, it's not as, it's like, it could be better. <laughs> so, Man, that's so, like the classic portfolio mindset. It's like, is your portfolio ever complete? Is your website ever good enough? Well, now I, now I have a lot more respect and empathy for filmmakers, you know, like I, I actually, I always have, but like looking at, how long it takes a, mo- you know, a movie to be made, you know, and how many hands are in that and stuff. And so, and you know, Pixar always says like their, their movies are never finished. They're just released. And I look at this book, I think this book is going to be similar. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to get it re- exactly perfect, but it's going to be released. Um, so that's not like a struggle really, but in, it is a, it is a mindset that I haven't been in ever. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I work on that every day. And then I also work on, you know, IC related stuff, like our own stuff in the mornings or whatever. So, um, so there's that where I'm kind of like, well, I mean, now I want to go back and revisit some things. And, um, but also just, I'm always wanting to get better and just, uh, push, push the envelope of where I can go. I know my limitations in terms of what I can do. And, and when I start to stray in other styles, it doesn't look great. And I know that, and that took years to figure out, like, okay, I'm, I'm good within these walls, but I, when I start to leave these walls, I need to hire someone else or I need to, you know, I need to push it onto another artist. Um, I think that's a big part of kind of like growing as a designer. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm just kind of in the thick of this giant project right now. And it's, you know, I'm hoping that people enjoy it. So super cool. So you say you get another nine months working on that. Yeah. It comes out spring of 2022. So awesome. Super cool, man. Looking forward to seeing what you're creating there, what you're putting together there. Um, So, Don, let's turn this bus around here. I want to now hear about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Well, this one that I'm working on is I I am really happy with it. So I'll say that. But in terms of the ones that people have seen, um, Cinerama, the mural that I created for the theater in downtown Seattle is at the top of the list. It's um, one that I did, let's see, I think this is 2015 or, no, 2014. Um, And it's this iconic theater, downtown Seattle. I used to line up to watch movies there when we moved here. Um, And it's like 200 by 30 linear feet of this blank wall. It's this real kind of brutalist structure that's been down there since the 50s. Yeah, And so um, I got asked to, they were basically investing in a lot of new tech for the theater. And one of the creative directors had an idea to, to basically paint these walls, you know, create a mural. Um, and I was like, when I got asked to do it, it was just this insanely daunting thing because it's like heart of Seattle. This Cinerama is highly respected. It has a rich legacy and history, not in ter- not only in terms of Seattle, 
but across the world, the Cinerama um, name was synonymous with just like epic movie experiences back in the day. Um, this is before IMAX, obviously. And so, um, you know, it was a daunting task and I, you know, I didn't take it lightly. And I, I, I remember just sitting on it for a long time because I didn't even know where to start, you know. Yeah. Um, but long story short, um, it came to fruition. Uh, we hired like nine painters to make it happen and they did an excellent job. And yeah, I mean, it's closed right now during COVID, but it, it when it reopened, it became um, the most successful single screen theater in the States. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that because the mural, they put like, you know, a lot of money into the tech, but it became, no, no, it was the mural. <laughs> my, goal, <laughs> my goal was to create this experience where like people got excited to go to the movies and they are like, you know, uh, and when it, when it was finished, people like people would email and say like, Hey, I'm coming to Seattle. I want to stay near the Cinerama. Do you have any hotel ideas? It's like, Whoa, you know, it kind of became this, um, little landmark which is yeah, awesome which is so i'm hoping it yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping it uh reopens soon so that's cool i look forward to seeing that one in in person i'm gonna try to look that one up too yeah it's like a second thing on our side if you scroll down it's just like right there yeah awesome yeah i've been down in seattle a few times but i don't remember being by the cinerama so i gotta go find okay. that and, and check well, it out. Yeah. i would definitely want to see that in person when the border is open and all that yes yeah, yeah. that's right well, Don, you've reached the point of the show for the Ask It Forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest, and mm. you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to cool. tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Sweet. So I'm actually going to break the rules a little bit, and I'm going to ask you two Ask It Forward questions mm -hmm. because two episodes ago, it was such a great question, a hotly contested question. <laughs> and I'm curious on the, the, the answer from different countries. And this will make sense in a second here. Okay. Um, so first up, my last guest um, was Frederick Ost from a company called Snask over in Sweden. Okay. Um, awesome company, hilarious work, great brand and personality. Um, and his question for you, is what would you rather regret on your deathbed? Things that you did or things that you didn't do? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, if I were on my deathbed right now, I feel like there's only be a handful of things that I would regret. And so honestly, I picture myself on my deathbed being like, you know what? I was able to be a decent father, do my, create, have my dream job. Mm -hmm. Um, I was surrounded by my family all the time. So I'm going to, my answer is, um, I'm going to say didn't the things I wasn't able to do because I mm -hmm. think every human has that, you know, tendency of like, Oh, I wish I did this. So, but I don't, yeah, I'm a guy that hopefully doesn't have that many skeletons in his closet. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, they're out there, but I, I feel like um, that would be my answer. Awesome. I like that one. So Frederick, like I said, was in Sweden and my guest before him, just get this out. Oh, there we go. So my guest before him was Chris Logsdon, uh, creative director, brand director um, from the Sasha group in New York. Um so I took this question from Chris, who's in New York, and I asked Frederick um, in Sweden. And I think 
by territory or just by the area that he lives in, that influenced his answer. Okay. So I'm going to bring this question to you again. Okay. Um, when it comes to mac and cheese, <laughs> Don, what is your ketchup policy? Yes or no? Absolutely, unequivocally, no. <laughs> Whoa, that is not what I was expecting, Don. Are you serious? <laughs> I've, I've never heard of people mixing mac and cheese with ketchup. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Don. I know. I've been, see, I'm living, I live in a barn all day. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's happening in the rest of the world. Everybody yeah, else yeah. is doing ketchup. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm out of the loop on ketchup and mac and cheese. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next That's time you have mac and cheese, just like put a little bit in a separate dish. All right. I don't want right. to taint your mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want them touching it first. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Don, what is the ask it forward question you would like me to ask the next guest? Uh, how about if you weren't an artist, what do you think you'd be doing? I like that. It's a classic and I love the answers. Okay. Awesome. Well, Don, you've reached the end of the quickie podcast, man. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been grad. Oh, thank you for having me. I love chatting it up. All right, everybody, that's the end of today's episode. Don't forget to go to the description of this podcast and click the link there to take you to the Craft Beer Label Design course page, level up those print design skills, offer more services to your client, and create incredible labels. We help you take those label designs from pixel to print to be a label design pro. Link is in the description of this episode. Check it out. Can't wait to see you in there. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. See ya.